Hey, everybody. It is time, once again, for the Everybody Trades podcast with I, your beloved host, John Miller. How's it going? Hope this finds you well. And if you're thinking, hey, where's the usual entrance music, the opening number, if you will? Well, aren't you just awfully observant? Well, it's going to come a little later, and we'll explain why here in a minute. But first, let's talk about the market for a minute, shall we? So, earnings season is just about upon us, as you noticed. If you follow my blog at everybodytrades.com or me on Twitter at everybodytrades, I pointed out that my earnings calendar online is now fully up to date, so any of the positions that you might follow or be interested in that I've recommended on this podcast or any of my other various outlets, you can follow when exactly, on what exact date, that company is going to report. Obviously, this is important information to have because we're going to have, you see lots of volatility during the earnings season. Frankly, we've had a lot of ups and downs during this period, but since the last time I really discussed, discussed stocks uh, in, in depth in this, in this form was the stock market has actually risen pretty good in that amount of time. And basically, if you want to think about it like a better, for instance, let's say the, the NFL season's coming up. Let's say the Patriots, oh, you think the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl and say their their odds of doing so are 7 to 1, just to pick a random, not a random number, but just a ballpark figure. Obviously, if the number were 14 to 1, which means that you would get twice the payout, in that scenario, you should like the Patriots even more. Well, what I'm saying is, is even though nothing in the news cycle may have changed in your stocks, Certainly, its relative price should change how much you like that particular position. Obviously, I liked Netflix when I recommended it uh, a few weeks ago on this podcast. I recommended it at three, uh, $382. Well, as of close today, it was at $415. Obviously, that's a good call as we sit here today. But I have to like it a little bit less than I did at 382 right? sort of like you go to you go to a, a store and you've had your eye on a new pair of shoes, a new hat, a suit, a dress, whatever it might be. If it's suddenly 50% off, do you now like the dress 50% less? No, you should like it more. You're going, oh, that's a great price. But obviously stocks are different. It's just, it's interesting to point out that psychology there. When stocks go down, for some reason, even if nothing has changed, like you're, nothing has changed about the dress that is 50% off, why should we like the stock any less if nothing about the company has changed? Is Netflix still the same company? Absolutely. They're still putting out great content. New episodes of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, if you're a, in the older sort of comedic crowd. The younger set has stuff like The Kissing Booth that is really popular. I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on. Arrested Development's back. Glow is back. I mean, Netflix is killing it, the actual company itself, in terms of they're putting out great content, and it seems to me it's obvious they have pricing power. They're able to raise their prices pretty much whenever they want because they know that their value is there compared to cable and compared to just about any other streaming service or content provider out there for the 12 13 14 whatever the price is. See, I don't even know, and I'm a Netflix subscriber. 
That gets back to my hashtag forget it money campaign that I've been just pushing like a not really I haven't been pushing it that hard but seriously the forget it money strategy makes so much sense because something like Netflix when it provides you that type of content really just an unimaginable amount of on-demand content unimaginable from the perspective of even five ten years ago you're not going to cancel that because they raise the price a dollar or two and we've seen this the proof's in the pudding Every time they raise prices, people, at least a small but vocal segment of their subscriber base, will take to social media and act like this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And, oh, my God, F Netflix. I'm never paying this price. But the numbers every single quarter say, in fact, they do pay that price. And actually, they're looking into cutting down on the amount of people who are sharing their accounts, too. This can only be good for their earnings, in my humble opinion. So, again, the Netflix story is positive, getting back to my original point. But while we must acknowledge that, yes, hey, good for me. I I made a good trade. It's up, uh, let's see, let me, as my computer loads here, it's up about eh, close to 9%. So, good job. That's better than a sharp stick in the eye in less than a month, right? But we also don't plant our flag and and start patting ourselves on the back until we sell just yet either. I'm not quite ready to sell. Uh, We'll see when Netflix reports. I don't have that calendar right in front of me. It isn't in this week. That's all I know. I'm really just focused on this week as far as earnings go. When Netflix is ready to report, there's a good chance I will take some of that position off the table as just a way of avoiding risk of the earnings headlines. You never know how exactly the market is going to react to earnings. One thing I should really point out here as we get into earnings season, if a company reports earnings, if the immediate reaction as far as the stock, if the stock, say, is down 5% or something, is the immediate reaction to earnings, do not take that as a guaranteed correct reaction, I guess, and in fact, the immediate reaction is, is proven to be wrong in terms of price movement almost within hours or the next day. You know, traders will overreact and investors will overreact to headlines and the first numbers that come out without even actually listening to the conference call or pouring in to the real details of what's going on here. And that's where you make mistakes. And anybody who is listening to this, can hear the sound of my voice, should not be playing the, oh, earnings just came out and now I'm going to make a decision based on that. No, you've got to take a much more measured approach than that. And if this is all very confusing to you and you have absolutely no idea what the hell I'm talking about, follow me at everybodytrades.com and I will hold your hand through every single move that I make. And with that, let's get to our musical number, shall we? Who controls the British crown? Who keeps the metric system down? We do. We do. Who leaves Atlantis off the maps? Who keeps the Martians under wraps? We do. We do. Who holds back the electric car? Who makes Ingoomberg a star? Fish of their sight Who rigged every Oscar night We do We do 
Yes, that's the classic Simpsons episode, Homer the Great. And the song We Do was sung there by the Stonecutters. And the Stonecutters are representative of the Illuminati. They're sort of a comedic take on the Illuminati in that episode. And the interesting thing about that portrayal to me in terms of that episode is uh, some 20-odd years old now, probably 23, 24. Now, to me, the Illuminati is now out for the world to see in that amount of time. The quote-unquote Illuminati. Basically, the club, if you will. The powerful club of people. See, that's the interesting thing about Donald Trump is that he is the first person in a long time to not be from this club, to be the President of the United States. What am I talking about? Well, think about it. George H.W. Bush went to Yale. Bill Clinton went to Yale. George W. Bush went to Yale and Harvard Business School. Barack Obama went to Harvard Law School. Are we sensing a pattern here? Okay, let me, should I keep going? Let's go Supreme Court. Hey, it's the ultimate. We talk, There's a lot of talk about 5-4 decisions, 6-3 decisions, 7-2. Well, we've got a 6-3 decision in the, in the Supreme Court as far as alma maters go. We've got six on the Harvard side. Yes, that's right. Roberts, Gorsh, Kennedy, Kagan, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Breyer. Every single one of them went to Harvard Law School. And then you've got three others. They must have went to like Tennessee, right? No. Guess what? They went to Yale Law School. Sotomayor, Thomas, Alito. All Yale. So guess what? But now that 6-3 is about to change a little bit as Donald Trump has, has nominated, wait for it, wait for it, Brett Kavanaugh, who is from Yale. So it's 5-4 to four now. We've got five on Harvard, four on Yale. Wow, incredible diversity that we've got going there. The funny part about that to me is, of course, you notice when I listed off Thomas, Alito, Sotomayor, Brett Kavanaugh on one side. Then on the other side, you've got Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Roberts. I mean, there's a lot of different opinions there. What they all have in common is they all went to the same little club, didn't they? Isn't that interesting? How is it that Harvard and Yale people can be so indispensable that they must be in charge of all of our lives? If that's not an Illuminati, I don't know what is. I'm sort of endlessly fascinated by how much of adulthood is still wrapped up in the high school sort of cool club mentality. And no place is more like that than Washington, D.C., I've come to find. There is nobody more concerned about being in the cool club than these people. And what do I mean by the cool club specifically in this case? It's about having the right opinions on certain sorts of things. And more importantly, it's about being from the right stock. You notice that for as great as I'm sure many of Harvard and Yale's students are, without a doubt, notice that both of these schools and Ivy League schools in general will lower their standards for a, quote, legacy. <clears throat> George W. Bush. <clears throat> oh, sorry. <clears throat> I don't mean to pick on W, but let's be honest. 
Would he have gotten in if his dad didn't go to Harvard? I don't know. You tell me. Or to Yale or, or whatever. I'm just saying. I think he got his stuff together in, in college, but I'm not so sure that his high school grades were so good that he would have gotten in without that legacy. The point is, whether I'm right or wrong about that, and please, if I'm wrong, hit me up. Hit me with a hate tweet. I'm cool with it. Let me know. I will issue a correction instantly. But regardless, the point is, there is a self-selecting high school sort of cool club mentality, for lack of a better description, that I find just counterproductive and also a little gross. Like, are we not as adults supposed to move beyond this sort of nonsense? Are we not supposed to be for free expression and freedom of choice and that sort of thing? I just find the whole sort of I'm in the club and you're not thing rather repugnant and sort of a an aspect of mob mentality and groupthink that is an aspect of human nature that I find so, to be something that we need to be aware of because it's it's one thing that can actually take us down. Anytime that human beings descend into groupthink and mob mentality, particularly in a way that is, even if it's in a nonviolent way, even if it's in a way that is just to shame people in sort of a, I don't know, in a, in a counterproductive way. Obviously, there's good forms of shame. Like, for instance, we need more shame on people who are chucking their cigarette butts everywhere in our, in our country. Perhaps those people should be shamed more. But that is a matter of them violating the, the property and the rights of others. It's not about, oh, you don't peacefully think a different way. See, that sort of we must all think alike sort of groupthink thing, that is a disturbing part of human nature that I find quite repugnant and one that we all need to be aware of and frankly a little bit afraid of. Now, the interesting thing is, is apparently the groupthink and group mentality or just at least the club aspect is certainly not limited to only politics, as all of you are well aware of. And in fact, one of the great examples is, is The Simpsons, which is my favorite show of all time, quite possibly. It's way up there anyway, certainly in the top two or three. But just about everybody who has ever written for that show, and I know there are exceptions to this, but there's a huge amount of people like Conan O'Brien, for instance, who famously went to Harvard. They're Harvard men as well. They're often the the Harvard Review guys. And literally, they are guys most of the time. They are men most of the time. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Just, just pointing it out. It seems to be a boys club that no women have exactly penetrated, which I'm frankly not complaining about. I'm not the forced diversity guy. Like I think the show is fantastic, and the proof is in the pudding to me. I don't have any problem with the results of The Simpsons. Frankly, it's one of the funniest shows of all time. It's one of the most popular shows of all time. I don't know how we really argue with the results there. Apparently, Harvard, the Harvard Review, maybe they really are the place where great comedians go and, and, and hone their craft to become even greater comedians. Maybe this is the best place to go. I'm not saying that there aren't clubs, quote, if you want to call it that, not a no-homers club. Hey, how about that up for a callback? No, it, I, I just mean that, yeah, there are places that are going to be the best place you can go to learn something. That isn't the club mentality I'm saying. But the idea that you can only become great at one certain club or whatever is, frankly, an elitist mentality. 
And it's not only elitist and sort of ugly, it's counterproductive. That's what I'm more interested in. If we're just going to dismiss good ideas that only come from the sort of ultimate, that if we dismiss anything that does not come from the ultimate sort of elite institutions or sort of elite powerful families or or even the sort of even the ostensibly merit-based sort of thinking the sort of classic like oh the best students quote unquote if we're only going to take those people's thoughts and just dismiss everyone who isn't great in the traditional educational sense the st- the c students of the world we're going to have a bad world we really are and frankly a lot of times, the people who got the best grades are a lot are not as smart as they think they are. They think that they're so smart that they should be willing, that they should be able to run all of our lives. And that's frankly an ugly impulse itself. Who gives you that right? And also, some of the great success stories of all time, particularly outside of the political realm, are college dropouts. They're people like... Steve Jobs, people like Jimmy Kimmel has done really well as a dropout from Arizona State. You know, weirdly, there's no, the market, for instance, like people say the market decided ultimately that the Jimmy Kimmel show was funny, and that's why he's on the air. There's people out there, there's a market for it. He's done well with it. It has absolutely nothing to do with, with, with his college degree or lack thereof. That's the good news. See, people will ultimately decide, but somehow in the political club, when the people did seem to decide that Donald Trump, like him or not, should be the next president of the United States, you saw the the establishment, the cool kid club, the high school cool kid club of Washington, D.C., all the people that went to Harvard and to Yale, they all went insane. And it's my contention that it's not so much that it's Trump is outside of the political mainstream in terms of opinion, in terms of that. That that matters. I think it's even more important, or at least equally important to these people, that Trump showed that you can get outside of the Yale-Harvard continuum and actually do well in politics and actually win elections on a national scale. You can do it without the political establishment. If you're successful and rich enough, and I guess don't give a crap about what people say about you enough, as Trump seems to not. So basically, again, this is not a pro-Donald thing. It's not an anti-Donald thing. It's just, I'm just fascinated ultimately by human beings more than anything. For as much as I talk about economics, and yeah, this is called Everybody Trades. This is a market show in some ways. It's an economic show in some ways. Ultimately, this is about human nature, and if we don't understand how all this work, we're never going to get rich, that's for sure, and we're certainly not going to be happy. So, with that, I will see you guys next time. Thanks, as always, for joining us here on the Everybody Trades Podcast.